the theme for the afternoon talk is the significance of nourishment. <clears throat> On uh, arriving here uh, in the area, I had the privilege of uh, some short contact with uh, some of the uh, long-standing uh, residents of Australia. So along the track in the evening time approaching the uh, Damananda community there was a lovely large uh, python. So we stopped the car and a quick uh, photograph. Then the, uh, the cocker cockatoos, another long-standing uh, resident here, uh, in the night getting up just to uh, have a cup of tea in Jen's place and a rather uh, large uh, huntsman's spider um, right over the, the, the light switch uh, <laughs> uh, there. And then when you were sitting in here, I was hanging my uh, shirt and clothes up on the line and uh, there, of course, the beloved uh, kangaroo, 30 or 40 uh, metres away. Clearly, the kangaroo is familiar uh, with uh, human beings. It was mildly curious for a few minutes and got bored with me hanging up the clothes and went for a walk elsewhere. And just to be close to the nature, to the rainforest, to uh, the creatures on yet another sunny day in Australia. <laughs> so I, here on the gossip line, it's in the 30s, maybe 30, uh, 35 uh, 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 today. May the rain gods come soon. <clears throat> in talking with you, this important area of nourishment, uh, the Buddha in I regard exceptional and uh, insightful uh, exploration and analys analysis of nourishment focuses upon four primary areas for it. All are interrelated. I'd like to touch upon with you uh, all four uh, this afternoon there and so that we in our practice and exploration of life can see from our experience, are there areas which need some change or development or more uh, emphasis in one or more of these four? And the most obvious and initial uh, one, of course, is food. That which we actually eat and drink, which passes uh, uh, through the mouth. And we see, and many of us uh, here and elsewhere, recognizing this importance of a really careful look at diet. The motivations and intentions with that uh, may vary from one person to another. So for some, in the exploration and looking at ourselves, it may be primarily, which is fine, to look at it from the standpoint of health. And that will often mean for us a reduction 
or a letting go in some uh, areas and an endorsement and encouragement in uh, other uh, areas. In that contribution to what we uh, eat in a mindful way, it is not only what we eat, important as it is, but also and equally the manner of the eating. And what I uh, mean by that, when a human being consumes food, right there, the relationship to the m mode of eating, meaning bringing the mindfulness to it, it requires from us eating mindfully in and leaving some space inside the, st the stomach for the food to digest. In the eating of the food, as much as uh, possible, to chew the food well, so that by the time we swallow the food, it's moved more towards being in a liquid format. Uh, there. And, of course, the, the manner of the meal and the, uh, the cooking. It is a daily practice to get this area of diet in a harmonious and balanced way. And it is also with it is a discipline. And that discipline quite often is the capacity which we have to say yes to this and no to that and to stay true to it. And sometimes we compromise and I'd encourage us not to. So some people will say, oh, when I go home, mummy and daddy, they put on the backside of a cow on the table to eat some slices of that or a couple of legs of chickens and to consume uh, uh, that or perhaps one has moved away from the dairy products as well oh I don't want to upset mummy and daddy if I, if I say no upset them simple say no kindly warmly fearlessly there do not compromise on these things have the courage of your, convi of your con convictions don't be afraid to ask and question uh, there. And the shift in the exploration of the diversity of diet is happening, much more international, uh, obviously. Different kinds of foods that keep one's eyes and ears open for what is really healthy and nourishing. And be very vigilant in this one area of the propaganda which is merciless again which is the meat industry, the fish uh, industry, telling you time and time again, you need your protein. It's propaganda. <coughs> there is plenty of protein in a plant-based diet, in re eating rice and dal and much more. There is plenty in, in all of that. And in the meat industry, the cooking of the meat already cooks out half of the protein. It's lost. They will tell you that you don't get in a, a plant-based diet vitamin K. Don't buy it. It's not true. It's to make one feel something is lacking and therefore I really need. Some of us who have uh, been exploring diet for uh, uh, years, uh, year, years now and all the experimentations that some of us are um, uh, uh, engaged in the relationship to uh, the diet, the eating of the diversity of the food, 
all the labels which are impressed upon us, uh, their B12 or whatever uh, the labels uh, are. If we have a really rich, full diet, we have the authority <coughs> from our own health of the, of the benefit of it. But it isn't easy to keep quietly the conviction without sounding like a uh, missionary, without impressing on others, but staying true to something. And one will find in our being a nourishment which comes, a quiet uh, authority which comes. And one of the, the values of the retreat for some people that in being on a uh, uh, retreat, not for anyone here living in northern Moses, I'm sure, but elsewhere, who realise that a healthy diet, plant-based uh, there, is enjoyable. It's not just the absence of meat and eggs and uh, fish and, and so forth. And a significant aspect of that, plenty of people come, absolutely love the diet and say, I want to continue with this diet when I leave. And make the changes because the motivation has arisen during the retreat that these changes can be made. And, the, and it can be in, in really, truly enjoyable uh, change. And for some of us, the motivating factor may be on the external there. So the meat uh, industry, with its widespread destruction of uh, forests and land in order to grow in order to feed all the animals and then for some of that then to come down the human chain to uh, others. Some of us have said there's far healthier ways in relationship to the land instead of using so much of it, so precious land, to feed a modest number of animals compared with what can be grown. And the situations for for uh, some, my encouragement obviously, genuinely is to look at a, uh, a, a diet with, I may say, without the dairy products in. It's, for some of us it has been another shift. And the if I may say, the original spark for this myself uh, was that I... Um, um, on every retreat, this was in Germany, had in 12 years ago very, very intense pain down in uh, the, the, this area. I mean, it was so painful I was doubling up uh, with the pain and I wondered what the heck was actually uh, uh, go, going on. And <clears throat> I remember it fin the retreat finished on the Saturday at lunchtime <coughs> Small incidences of life. I uh, sun on the Sunday lunchtime. Sunday evening, I was flying um, out of went from Germany to London and flying from London to uh, Australia. And these pains were still uh, continuing throughout the journey. And my 
beloved mother now gone from this world uh, as she do she's in her mid 80s I think at that time came out to the airport as she liked to do to meet me and I said look I think I need to go A and D you use it A and D yeah accident and emergency uh, to go there to the, to the hospital and the only m- memory I have of this was a variety of people sitting there in the waiting hall with all their different aches and pains and accidents and sicknesses and then finally the nurse came and said shouted out um, Mr Christopher Titmus and you know, tired from the journey doubling up with the pain put my hand up yes yes and the, the good nurse uh, came over and she said would you like to follow me and then she said and your wife could come with you <laughs> never in my t- entire life did I feel so sick <laughs> and my, my mother she, you know, little old lady mid 80s her face just glowed. <laughs> and she said to us, that's not my husband, that's my son. <laughs> so the diagnosis was that I had 21 gallstones. So that was where the pain was coming from. My mother had her gallstone out there. My grandmother had hers out. And my great-grandmother had hers out. So a little, what should you call it? genetic deficiency or whatever. So I got back home, I live in Totnes, you know, it's uh, parallel to the Shannon <laughs> Lismore and uh, uh, then the doctor said, look it's very simple keyhole surgery your gallbladder has no evolutionary purpose it can just be pulled out you go home, don't pick anything up, like a, even a kettle of hot water for a month and you'll be fine. And I laughed and I said to him, you know, I live in Totnes, we don't do surgery, we do diet. So uh, he said, okay, but if you have one more attack, then you promise you'll come and the surgery. I said, okay, okay. So that motivated the dropping of all the dairy products because gallstones is fat and other stuff all getting glued in there together, uh, etc. So sometimes, to make the point, we may consider out of the health factor. But to me, equally uh, important, and to give an example uh, of this when I was uh, in uh, uh, Israel, took the, uh, the meditators on a silent morning walk. There is a small farm in the kibbutz where the retreat centre is, and the cow had been separated from the calf. Mm-hmm and the anguish for the cow which could see the cow was, was crying and the animals just two animals that's the calf and the cow just couldn't reach uh, each other and there is a kind of price of course which is paid uh, for in the, that which we receive I do think the environment that we are in together these days really is worth reflecting upon what can I as a human being contribute with the diet to living in a sustainable way? And one can make it affordable even though it, 
it's quite often is organic food and very healthy food costs a little bit more but if one is careful as some of us have to be with the, the finances it, it still is that we can live in an affordable way eat healthy food which gives support to the environment which gives support to the animals and gives support to ourselves and our families and it is a quiet commitment and it is part of the radical change which is needed. It is to be in the forefront of consciousness is to be looking at diet. It's the indispensable and as the Buddha commented on from time to time he said that men and uh, women of the earth that we need healthy food to contribute to helping us to think clearly. It is part of our practice. So one area of the four is this area of, uh, of a, a healthy and uh, nutritious uh, 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 diet. And the second area there, when sometimes in our internal life there are difficulties, emotional difficulties. We're feeling rather empty in a kind of unhealthy way, a bit <coughs> low, a bit uh, down. Yeah. And, and in a way where we feel undernourished. That may be because those who are around us simply not recognising we need some extra support and some extra uh, nourishment. Sometimes we are doing so much we don't realise that how much we are burning up inside so we're not really looking after ourselves we're not really nourishing ourselves as, as well when there is some loss of nourishment in the human being there's much more likelihood of frequent pilgrimages to the refrigerator <laughs> it it, it, the refrigerator has become the holy shrine of the West <coughs> or Western life we might call it uh, uh, there when we're feeling undernourished the mindfulness level also easily goes down we, we can find ourselves eating that which we know is not healthy to eat it, it, it's used to kind of fill a hole inside of ourselves. And the outcome of that are all the, the consequences uh, there. So it, it's a mindfulness practice, and with the nourishment, though healthy food goes through the portal, uh, uh, the mouth, this particular organ, uh, obviously through the taste buds as well we might ask ourselves and others who appear to be undernourished in any way can the nourishment travel through the other four senses to really develop and cultivate nourishment through the senses just seeing the kangaroo was heartwarming it touched a warm, responsive feeling inside of the, uh, uh, the being. The lovely nourishment from the kindnesses that take place uh, with regard to your all, your commitment and dedication 
one's seeing it with one's eyes, one's hearing it with one myself, with one's uh, ears upon you. It is nourishing. The smells of life, that which we touch, the small things uh, of life. To really check in with ourselves here and elsewhere, am I being fed, that means nourished, so to speak, through the eyes, through the ears, through the nose, through touch, in other words, through the other senses. And if that's cultivated there, that, nourish, that <coughs> nourishment brings into harmony the nourishment with the diet. It's not just about eating. There. And sometimes through the years, as a, 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 a small um, uh, e example, just um, two days before uh, leaving home to uh, come here, a friend of uh, mine, he's uh, uh, Richard, Richard Gonski, he's the uh, leader of the uh, local uh, symphony orchestra and um, has mar married to an English woman, he's uh, an Israeli and one of the managers for two years at uh, uh, retreat centre uh, near, nearby and sometimes in, one goes into something fresh in this case going to the uh, concert uh, one of the concerts to uh, lend an ear and the lovely thing about a local concert incidentally as some of you may know one can sit so close to the orchestra I mean I could put my hand out and touch the shoulder of the lead violinist you know, it's really close it's, it's intimate and, and, and the sound uh, really comes through and in one of the uh, concerts they played uh, Tchaikovsky's uh, Romeo and Juliet YouTube it, it's precious and the first part is as you know the story of the drama of the conflict between these two Italian families because they hate each other in issue with each other and Romeo is from one family and Juliet is from the other. So the drama of the story arises. And that's the, you know, the first movement. And then suddenly it moves to the relationship of the deep love of Romeo and, and Ju Juliet. I, I sat there, I was in the second row. I just had tears in my eye, eyes. Sometimes it's so unexpected the communication of love travelling through the ears from the orchestra who are the gods of music and just passing into the being and touching something so deep and un unexpected it's extraordinarily nourishing it's not hearing it's a kind of listening and receptivity and those moments are, are really precious and it's part of that same with the eyes uh, as, with, as with the ears with the smells with the touch to really be receptive so that the whole being as the Buddha's constantly said develop the senses one doesn't have to have an interest in owning and possessing it's just the development of the senses to really keep the eyes open, the ears open uh, uh, for that receptivity. 
And when I went last week, the the, the orchestra played um, the pastoral, Beethoven's Sixth. And just what human beings can put together there. And one follows the flow of this particular uh, sim- uh, symphony. And I n- never even listened to classical music. I had no interest. You know, I'm a rock man. You know, uh, you know Stones and, and Beatles and, and Dylan, that's you know, my genre. Uh, there, and it took ages to, to get into the rhythm of the, the classical music. And it starts off from Beethoven originally walking in the woods and in, and in the forests and he records his experience and then the musicians come in and the musicians are giving the sounds of the birds and the cuckoos and then the musicians are then playing with the raindrops it is extraordinary there and then you hear a little bit more noise and a little bit more noise and the drummer gets a bit louder and you know that there's a storm coming and the storm comes in via the orchestra one is following the, uh, uh, an afternoon in Beethoven's life of a walk in the woods with the storm coming and you hear this huge storm and then the storm is over and we are left in the last movement with just the flute and all is quiet and peaceful in, in the forest the capacity the capacity of creativity of an afternoon in the forest to be captured so beautifully in a piece of music and this these nourishments of life they, they are Beautiful and they are precious, and we need to give our time and our interest to to that for our health, for our spiritual health. It's not worth being busy, busy, busy. It's not worth keep thinking about one thing or another constantly in one's daily life, because it's stopping us. It's getting in the way of real listening and the, and the sense of the spiritual in this case of the gods of music the second, third area with the uh, 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 exploration so what one is food and diet that mindfulness inner and outer and the steps we can take the second is with the, the fullness of all the senses as I was uh, just referring to and then the third, the important one obviously there, that which nourishes us is when you and I find intentions and actions in uh, the daily life where we really do have a genuine, authentic sense of the importance and the benefit of it. And that willingness, and for the, for the best of intentions and actions for us in life, to stay true it may well mean for many of us a lot has to go in order to keep the commitment to something there are many things I find for myself if I may just use myself as a personal example here people will say to me um, 
fairly regu re regularly, oh, along the lines, oh, Christopher, what a lucky life you have. You travel to different continents and you meet so many different people and you go to different environments and you do it so regularly. Well, how lovely that, that is, how blessed you are. And in many respects, of, of course, that may be true. But it also requires to keep that quiet uh, commitment of uh, service to others in different parts of the world uh, there, doing without lots of things. So one's love life has tended to be uh, uh, one of those. So the, the mantra, I think perhaps we've all got our mantras with our love life, so the, 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 the mantra of my, my, my uh, love life uh, over the years is more basically, Christopher, I love you, but you're never around. <laughs> Maybe that's why they love me. Anyway. <laughs> who, who knows? So, and people say, oh, that must be so nice. It must be, oh, you're, you're away. You don't see each other for some weeks or a month or two. And then you come back together. It must be like having an, a honeymoon again. <coughs> oh, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, no, it, it's not. Do you realise what can go on inside of the mind when there is absence? All sorts of wishes and needs and neediness. All sorts of things can be uh, 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 going on. Some of you have been in what I call LDRs, long-distance <coughs> relationships. You, you know exactly what I, I mean. I use it as an example that what may appear to be precious and lovely for others, for some, for some of us, it really is a challenge to stay steady and true to something. And that quiet commitment to that. And even though, in uh, my particular uh, case, if I may say, I, I remind myself of why we are born with two ears, and essentially, it's for praise and blame. That, I, that's my conclusion uh, over, over the years. So the praise will be, oh, and others as well, oh, it's really precious and wonderful work you are doing. And I'm not going to disagree, am I? Uh, and uh, the, the praise is very welcome. And, uh, and then the, the blame is, you're a hypocrite. You're talking to people about climate change and you're flying from London to uh, uh, Brisbane, you should stop flying uh, there and be an example to others. And so I get an equal share of, uh, of uh, uh, both. Of course, I have the capacity for some reflection uh, uh, on these matters and the voice which I put out and the voice which I stay steady with and so far have not been persuaded to change my mind is that it is valid to use an aeroplane in the service of others it is valid to respond and meet and give support to others this place that means our planet is a uh, small world it is valid for human beings to travel to other parts of the world to really learn things which we are not able to learn in our own culture. And some of us have been to other parts of uh, the world, benefited enormously from that, and out of that we've had the opportunity to share, to give. And what better example 
is this uh, Buddhist uh, centre, monastery with the monk uh, here from another culture because we made those uh, uh, decisions. And, it, and when we give support to others and people are travelling all over this world do remarkable acts of service. And I say, are we going to say you shouldn't do those acts of service for people? Are we going to put a, a block on that? Are we going to confine ourselves to the insularity of our own uh, uh, country? I think there would be more, it'd be more for me, it would be more problematic for people if we stay just locked into our own country and we, we, we refuse to fly. Uh, there are situations as well of people have families and deep loved ones who wish to fly. I say fine. What I don't fly for is holidays. What I don't fly for for pleasure. What I don't fly for is going to give a speak at a conference and they, if I may say get uh, regular invitations in different parts of the world I do not fly for that so I have to look for myself make as an adult make my decisions uh, in these uh, uh, areas uh, there and some people have made uh, the decision not to fly at all and appreciate and respect those uh, rights and others are in the process of questioning our relationship uh, to these areas. And some of us, like myself and some other friends, feel that the benefit coming through learning or through offering and sharing outweighs the cost of taking that flight. That's the view that some of us have. Coming back to the point there with the intentions and the actions that uh, we uh, uh, in, in, engage in <coughs> the absence of matters a great deal uh, as well as was touched upon a little bit uh, earlier with, uh, with you in any particular role which we have it is never 24-7 it never has been for a mother it never has been for a father it never has been for, for a worker. Nobody is in a role 24-7 there. The function of the role, including <coughs> in this case the Dharma teacher here, is in its presentation. And in its presentation, it is when, with the role, the other who enables the role to be, whatever that may be in our life, she or he are present. When we are engaged in the role on behalf of, we are writing, we are doing our emails, we are updating our website, we, there is the role then. So it's either presence or on behalf of, in some other uh, situations such as the writing and so, and so forth. There are many moments in the day when we are not in the role. We need to be extremely clear we are not in the role. Even, if I may say for uh, uh, self here, and it's just a small um, example of, of this, even in a retreat, it might appear, and I'm in the role, 
around the clock while I'm here. Thank God I am not. And I have absolutely no interest to be either. So there are plenty of times I'm just eating this delicious food, I'm brushing my teeth, I'm uh, uh, in the room having a quiet period, I'm enjoying the companionship of one of the residents, early ones, the kangaroo, for a few moments. There are plenty of moments in which the role is not functioning. And if we're not carrying the role, there would be a lot less stress. And there's a renewal of the energy. When we carry the identity, I am the mother, I am the father, I am the worker, and we carry it around with us, the consciousness gets stuck with it. Stress, anxiety, worry. The self has become too much caught up in a role. There's no liberation in that. It's an imprisonment. And it's exhausting. So, even in a situation where it would appear like, oh, the role is functioning all the time, there are plenty of moments in the breakup of the role. The first meeting that I had with Ajahn Buddhadasa, who started off in the forest alone, then the hut was built, he spent more than 60 years in the forest, and then the monks came, then he built a spiritual theatre, and then people came, he said, I've just been sitting here, and all this is going on around uh, there. And when I asked him, my very first meeting, young guy, I've been on the road hitchhiking for about three years, 20, maybe 24, 25 years of age, asked him a, a question, whatever it was, about understanding and so forth, and he took hold of his robe, resting on the top of his shoulder, he pulled it off the shoulder, and his response was the whole idea I am a monk is just an idea look at it it's just a piece of orange cloth where is the monk <laughs> and I listened to that and I thought I want to listen to this person more and a few months later the orange cloth was being worn. <laughs> or as two young German guys they, uh, who I'd met in India. And they said, oh, they were going to visit London. I said, oh, my, my mum and dad uh, live just outside of uh, London. And I said, if you want to go and visit, they'd be very happy. I hadn't seen my parents seven or eight years at that time. And they turned up around 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And my parents had students uh, staying with them. That was actually from uh, Germany. One of the students went and opened the front door, came back to my mum and dad watching the TV. And, um, oh yeah, and one of the, the 
those who came was a monk, uh, a Buddhist monk. And the young German guy had never seen a Buddhist monk before in his life. And he came up to my mum and he said, there's a guy at the front door with a shaved head and dressed up in curtains. (laughs) (laughs) And my mum said, oh yes, that would be one of Christopher's friends. (laughs) So sometimes the whole identity phenomena, uh, even in the midst of it, we can see its relativity. Why are we so bothered when people criticise our role? Why do we get so caught up in identification with it and the holding on to it and the fear of losing it and the fear of being judged by it? Food. Nourishment through the senses. The exploration of our intentions and our actions. Looking at the roles. And finally, fourth one, is consciousness. Major nourishment here. We see a plant, we're really mindful of the plant, and we recognize that we are planted on the earth as well. We know that the plant clearly needs nourishment, how dry the forest is uh, currently. It needs to be watered, it needs nourishment. And we as human beings planted on the earth, we, like the plants, we also need nourishment. We need our senses to be receptive to what nourishes us. The joys of the visual, the sound of the earth and the music, to let all of that nourish us. And when we're just mindful of the plant, like that beautiful book on uh, the secret life of trees there. And we begin to feel a closeness and an intimacy. And the mindfulness of is nourishing. It's nourishing, having a sense that as high as the trees go, as far as the roots will spread out. Mm -hmm. And those roots will spread out and get very close to the other roots. And the nutrients of the trees are being shared um, uh, uh, underground. And just as it is with, the, the, with us as human beings, the skin and the nature of the skin reveals if we're very young, all of us have you know, played with the babies and the beauty and the softness of the skin. And the skin gets a little harder as the years go by and there are a few more lines on the skin, etc. So it is with the trees. The skin also starts to change the lines also and the bark of the trees there and when the trees as they store the water up in the root of the trees and then push it up through the tree to nourish and feed uh, the whole of, of the tree gradually its strength as it gets older and older gets a little weaker and weaker and the tops of the trees don't have the strength and they start to change just as it is with us we go from being brown-haired, black-haired, blonde-haired and the nourishment's not quite running up like it used to <laughs> and then we have our first spots of the grey and then 
it gets greyer and greyer and then we're remembering grey yes the good old days <laughs> it's Father Christmas white at the moment uh, etc and the trees the life of the trees and the trees shed their seeds and the seeds of the trees sink into the earth and they get nourished and the little children the baby trees start to grow up with the mama and papa trees whoa whoa human beings and trees we are really close together we are part of the same family planted on this earth surely that and those facts alone should nourish and encourage us to protect our forests we can't live without them they are the oxygen of the earth we share so much in common we can explore the deep roots of our being and be nourished and bring up something which is beautiful into the being through going deep and all of this belongs to that nourishment of the force of consciousness being a conscious human being a mindful human being a meditative human being an aware human being and in all of that exploration of being a conscious human being we nourish life it's an extraordinary capacity that we, uh, we have for this and then the language of interconnectedness the language of togetherness of mutual support of interrelatedness is not just an idea we know it in the roots of our being and we feel that closeness with that which is around us from the smallest plant to the to the these great sacred trees which uh, belong to this earth and belong to our life and we to it so let's ensure here and in the daily life that we're looking at diet and the importance of it for the welfare of the earth we're exploring and looking at our relationship to the development of the senses for nourishment the nourishment of those the actions and the steps that we can take and the nourishment which comes from meditation and from mindfulness and awareness and being a conscious human being and really make a quiet dedicated commitment to all of that we, we will be fine and so will the earth Let's have our quiet minute together, shall we?
may all beings nourish others. May all beings be receptive to the nourishment which is offered to us from others. May all beings abide with a fulfilled life, inwardly nourish, outwardly nourishing. Thank you everyone. Thank you.